when you're afraid of selling, of putting yourself out there, you're doing a disservice to your clients, to your audience, to your potential customers, because you're not helping them. And when you give in to your fears, you make it about yourself instead of about them. Fear of selling and fear of pricing and fear of, I don't know, like putting yourself out there. This is so common, especially for female entrepreneurs in the yoga and wellness world. You know, you just want to serve. You might still believe that yoga should be free. You shouldn't earn money doing what you do. All those things. And I feel it's so important to talk about this, to address those limiting beliefs. And that's why I was so excited about today's guest on the show, Sarah Walton. I'm having an amazing conversation with her. Sarah is a business mentor who's been featured on the Today Show, speaks at women's conferences all over the world, and has helped hundreds of women start and grow businesses they love. She's amazing. She has so much to say. I loved our conversation. And I can't wait for you to meet her. So let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to the Blissful Bliss Podcast. I'm your host, Susanna Riker, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. Hey, Sarah, welcome to the Blissful Biz podcast. I'm so happy you're here. You can say hi. <laughs> hey, Suzanne, I'm so happy to be here with you. So why don't we start and you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what we're yeah. going to talk about today. Uh, well, what do I do? So I'm a business coach, which I know scares a lot of people. They're like, no, one of those crazy people who will tell me I have to post five times a day or something like that. I don't do that. Um, and really, my specialty is for women and our relationship around money and sales. Um, and how can we live the most abundant life possible while still being very pragmatic about business and understanding what our businesses need to be successful. What do they need from us? How do we need to grow and expand? What relationships do we need to explore? And for me, most of the time, it ends up being our relationship to money. You know, really, what does money mean to us? Um, how do we view it? Who taught us to think of money that way? Did we choose it? Those sorts of conversations are my absolute favorite. I love it. Um, I think it's such an important conversation to have again and again. How did you come to that niche? So where did you start? What's your background? Yeah, well, it started when I was very young. Actually, I wanted to dance uh, when I was very young, but we were really poor. I was raised by a single mom. Um, and when I say we were poor, there were times we literally had a half a loaf of bread and some honey. And that was it. Like, like really poor. And I 
in public school, wanted to try out for the school dance team. This was very important to me, but I wasn't formally trained in dance. I mostly learned by watching MTV in America because that's what I had access to. Um, and I, it came time to try out for the team and I made the team and I was so excited until I got a letter that said how much the shoes would cost and how much the costumes would cost and how much it was going to be for the entire year. And my heart broke because there was no way I could do this thing I wanted to do since I was five. There was no way we could afford this. The best way to make money in the 80s was to go get a job at the mall. And that's so strange. I've lived in Europe and I still find American malls so fascinating, uh, but it was fine in the 80s. I worked at a little tiny store and I was selling little things that nobody really needed, but it was really fun. And um, I got my first paycheck and I was so excited because it was enough for me to put a deposit down on the costumes. And I didn't have a bank account. So my mom took me to the local grocery store to get the check cashed. And as we were walking into the grocery store, she said, Sarah, the strawberries are on sale. Can we get some? And I said, sure. I thought about my deposit. I thought about the strawberries. And I said, yeah, we can get the strawberries. So I go to get my check cashed. I now have the money in my hands to go make the deposit on my dance costumes. I'm so excited. And I go to find my mom to buy the strawberries. And I don't see her in the express checkout. So I'm looking all up and down the grocery store and I see her in line with a cart that's filled with groceries and their groceries. I know she can't buy. And I look at there and there's milk for my brother and his favorite breakfast cereal, you know, and things for sandwiches for lunch for when he's at school. And I'm standing in the grocery store and I'm like, I can pay for this costume I've wanted since I was five. Or I can help my family, but I can't do both. And in that moment, I decided I would never be able to take care of my family and myself. And I ended up making that true. I moved from Utah, where I was raised, to New York City, which was quite a big change. And I had made my way all the way through the senior ranks of these amazing tech companies. Um, I was always the only woman in the room. And I had this amazing team, but I was miserable. I was unhappy, but my family was being taken care of by all the money I was making. And so that decision I made in the grocery store at 16 was turning out to be the way I created my life. So I was taking care of my family, but not myself. And there was a moment after I'd had two children, I was married at this point, I'm now a senior executive. And my mom, my daughter called and she said, mommy, I miss you. Cause I never saw my children because I was working so hard. And that was the day I hung up the phone with her and I could hear the clock ticking in my office. And I thought, these are seconds I can't get back ever again. And that was the moment I remembered being in the grocery store that day. And I recognized that was not going to be the way I was going to live my life from that moment on that this was now over. And that was the day I quit. Um, I did not yet know what coaching was. <laughs> so this happened really organically. But I was so scared after I quit that I recognized I had an odd relationship with money. 
And I knew the best way to heal was to research and to teach. And so my very first course was the money mindset course. And I created that, built that. I still sell it to this day. It's sort of our most popular courses. Um, and I'm really proud of that. And what came out of that was more and more coaching and deeper and deeper conversations. And that was 14 years ago. Wow. That was mm-hmm. a heartbreaking story. I was really with you in that supermarket. So, um, but <laughs> it brought you where you are today. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it gives me, I think it, it helps me be really compassionate with people who are afraid to charge. My mother was actually an, an incredible artist, Suzanne. Oh my gosh. She's just unbelievable as an artist. And she didn't feel it was okay to sell her work. I mean, she <laughs> could have been a millionaire, really. It was that good. And she, was too scared to sell. And that's what led us to that moment in the grocery store. And so I really do understand when people get scared to charge and what is driving that fear. And I have a lot of empathy and compassion for that. And I think I think it's one of the reasons I'm able to do what I do at the level I do is because I get it. Like I really truly get it. I get it as the kid. I get it as the mom. I get it as the business owner. Right. And that, that complicated relationship that we can create around charging for a passion and yet how important it is that we do. Yes, definitely. Um, as I told you, a lot of, um, our listeners are yoga teachers or healers or coaches who are really struggling with that, who yeah. maybe still have that, like in the back of their mind, that belief that yoga should be free. Healing should be free. I should help everybody. And um, so this is a conversation that we really need to have again and again. Mm. Where do you start with your clients? Mm, that's such a good question. I think the first thing we have to get into is what is the fear? Um, and and that sounds so coachy of me, I know. <laughs> but But so often when we are in a stance of, I, I am not going to charge for this and I say this with love, that comment is usually driven by a fear. And we don't recognize it like that. We really recognize it. You know, these are really good, wonderful, huge hearted humans who want to bring something to the world and make sure everyone has access to it. And oh my gosh, the motive, the intention, the heart behind that is so wonderful. And there's a fear behind that or charging wouldn't be a problem. And that sounds so funny to say. So what I'll say is, what is the fear? And what comes up is, I don't want to look like I'm greedy. I don't want people to think I just did this for the money. Um, And those are all about our own ego, which is so counterintuitive for people who have such big hearts, right? We forget that we have egos too. And any time... We don't charge for something that people need. We're actually robbing them of the opportunity to expand. And it takes a hot second to sort of wrap your head around that. And people will say things like, oh, if it's free, they don't value it. And I understand that gets thrown around, but that's actually accurate. When we get things we haven't had to fight for, right? I'm even thinking of my dance costume, right? Like it's insane how much those cost, right? 
But what it did for me as a human being to have to fight for something I wanted that badly actually expanded me. Now, we don't ever want to gouge people or make pricing so big that people can't participate with us. That's not the goal. But I have a very different relationship or understanding of money. And I can, is it okay, Suzanne, if I share my perspective on, on Ooh, what I love money it. actually of course. is? Okay. okay, I was like, I'm about to go into another story. I want to make sure this <laughs> is okay. <laughs> but um, I did a lot of work with Marianne Williamson at one of the startups I was an executive for um, in my 20s. And what that meant is I got to spend a lot of time with Marianne Williamson in the recording studio. And if you don't know who she is, that's completely fine. But she wrote a book called A Return to Love. And she's done deep studies into um, a lot of the theories that led to The Secret, right? So it's called A Course in Miracles, yes. if you've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, no, um, yeah. Yeah. Not everybody does. So I'm always, you know, I'm always careful, but... For A Course in Miracles, I don't want to pretend I'm an expert. I'm not. But what I do know, I learned from her directly. Um, and the idea is this, that there's really only two emotions. There's love and there's fear. And love's job is to bring up fear so fear can be healed. So we see this a lot in political landscapes, right? When a leader steps forward with a great amount of love, at least here in the United States, they tend to get killed, right? Or there's that we've seen that throughout history. When someone really alters things with a force of love, we don't like that. We all the fear gets stoked, right? And that's its job because without the fear coming to the surface, we can't heal it. And I personally think that's really what's happening in the United States at the moment, right? There's so much fear being stoked that we're having to deal with healing that fear. I happen to believe that money carries that same love-like energy and that when money comes into your life, it will stoke all the fears that you have so they can be healed. And so actually, it takes a great amount of courage to welcome money into your life especially when you're welcoming it in with an exchange for your own love going out. And so what we want to do is look at how much we love, if it's yoga, for me, how much I love talking and inspiring and getting women excited about the idea that they could be financially free, meaning if they want to leave a bad marriage, they can. If they want to sell everything and travel, they can. If they want to stay home and raise their children, they can. Like that to me is so exciting. So that's a lot of love that I pour out into the world. And here's the deal. If the amount of love that you are pouring out into the world is not matched by the amount of love that you are allowing into your world through the form of money, you will feel off. If you're overcharging and you're pulling in way too much and you're not giving out value, that feels terrible and you will get rid of the money. If you are not charging for the amount of love you are giving the world, you feel horrible. And then you justify it by saying things like, well, I don't charge for that. Only terrible people do that. But underneath that, you have a lot of fear. There's a fear about paying your rent or your mortgage. There's a fear. There's like that insecure feeling about later on in your life. Um, any accidents or surprises that would come. And that's running the show. All of that fear is running the show. So that's why I start with what are you actually afraid of? 
when it comes to saying, yes, I am an exquisite yoga instructor and it's 275 US dollars to work with me for one hour. Why? Because you will never, ever get so much love poured into your body through the form of yoga as you will with me. And owning the truth of that and what happens when we're able to do that is the joy and the depth and the passion that we have for the people we work with gets amplified so much that they can't help but come back because they're getting such value out of what we're offering. And it's so important that we respect and honor what we're giving people because if we don't, they can't receive it at the level they could. Yes, that's so beautiful. I love how you said that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I remember the first time, Suzanne, that I had the thought that money was like love. I was like, oh, no, I don't want to be the lady that talks about money like this. Like I had my <laughs> own fears, too, of like, no, people are going to think I'm crazy. So that was my own fear I then had to tackle as well to say, listen, I've got to put my ego aside and make sure we get more money in the hands of more women. Because when women have money, the world will change. All of the world will change, right? That day, what one of the things I didn't share about my story is that another mom who was in my neighborhood heard about what had happened and she bought my costumes for me so that I could participate in the dance and I was able to pay for the groceries for my family. That's what women do. And that's what we do on the minor level, right? Is we take care of each other's children. We make sure everyone's okay. But then on a macro level, at least, I mean, one of the things I say, you know, there's so much about America right now that I'm, I'm quite upset about. But one of the things I don't understand is that we can drop a bomb within inches of where we want it to go but we pretend like we don't know how to get food and water and medicine within an inch of where people need it. That is a lie. And I truly believe if we had more women who had more money in their hands, we wouldn't be dropping bombs on other people's children. <laughs> we would be dropping food, water and medicine where people need it. And that's why I have such a fight in me to make sure women understand they deserve to get paid. And listen, right now we've decided that money is the way that happens. We might change that. Maybe soon it'll be paper hearts. I don't know. But right now it's money. And we need to make sure that women are participating in the conversations that money provides because we need the voice of women on every level in the planet right now. Oh, I love that. And I definitely agree. We need definitely more women who are successful, who have the emotional and financial freedom that they deserve. And yeah, yeah, it's going to make the world a better place. And we live in such an exciting time that there are really more opportunities for women than ever before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it would be silly for us to not participate in that. Right? It's like there yeah. is this big opportunity in front of us. So, I believe, you asked me the first step, I believe our first step, each of us on our own or with a coach, it is our job to figure out what fears we have that will keep us from participating in these extraordinary opportunities that are available. Yeah, that's so good. And I love it. I, I mean, you probably know that yourself um, as an entrepreneur, I learned more about myself 
than in like 20 years being employed. Um, <laughs> it's this beautiful road of self-discovery and, and self-love in a way as well. Like yeah. really learning to accept yourself, learning to face your fears. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, it's such an expansive process, isn't it? There's so much that we have to sort of deal with. We have to look at what's in our way and figure out, is this a block I need to keep? Is it time for me to remove this block? Um, yeah. Who is benefiting from me not making money? That's another question I love to ask women is who's benefiting from this idea that you should give away everything you have for free? Who's benefiting from that? Because it's not us. Right? Mm. And that's another thing I challenge a lot of women with is, you know, we really need to understand that as women, it's changing now for the younger generations, but I'd say anyone who's even 25 and above, um, understanding that we have been trained to put ourselves last. It's just this constant uh, message we get that how we look matters um, and that our work should be free. And I say this to women all the time that we have been trained to do the invisible, unpaid work that makes society work for everyone but us. And yes, I think it's time yes. we stop. Yeah, did you get especially, that? Hit, didn't especially all those jobs that are typically female professions like nursing or teaching you know, like uh, or yoga or healing. Um, yep. When yep. there are woman doing it it's like always a low paid profession that you do not to get paid well but to heal to serve to help yes yeah. yes and what i think we need to do as women as well is make sure we're not rewarding each other for that mm. um there's a phrase in english that i just hate and it is oh look how great she is she's so selfless mm. And what I say to people is, are we rewarding women for having no self? Is that what we're applauding? Is lose yourself completely. You don't matter as long as everyone else is functioning well. I don't think that's a message we want to send to women at all. And I think the the burden here for us is to do this for each other. If we want to call it a burden, I actually think it's a joy for us to call each other out and say, have you rested? Did you take the sleep that you need today? Are you drinking enough water? Are you treating your body with respect with what you're putting into it? Um, and I, and at the end of that, all obviously is, are you getting paid for what you do? And, you know, I even have uh, some of my clients are therapists, right? And they're like, oh God, someone can't afford to pay me. Should I just do it for free? And I'll say, I have a question for you. Do your male colleagues ask this question? And immediately the answer is no. And I say, okay, so then you know it's gender training. That's what this is. They're not asking that question because they haven't been trained their whole life to do everything for free. You have. And so you now know that you've been trained that way. You can choose. And I say that to people all the time. Like, 
you want to give a scholarship to one of your programs, please do. If there is somebody who is so into what you're doing and you know they're going to work hard and they're going to do everything they can, but they really, truly cannot afford it, give them a discount or give them a scholarship. That's your choice. But be aware of what you're doing and choose it actively. Don't choose it out of guilt. Don't do it because you think you should. Do it because internally in your heart is is 100% the right thing for you you to do at that moment and not something that you feel you're expected to do. And throughout the next couple of days, what I would challenge anybody listening and Suzanne, you and I can do this too, is like over the next couple of days, notice how much invisible unpaid work you do on a daily basis that benefits other people and just sort of watch and go, holy cannoli. Why is this all on women? How did this happen? And who's benefiting from this? And just starting to ask those questions. We don't have to get angry or upset or start protests or anything like that. We can, sure. Mm. But I think the most important thing is to internally start to question what you really want without somebody telling you it's got to look this way or that way. Find it for yourself and recognize maybe where somebody taught you that you were quote unquote supposed to do that, that things were supposed to look that way, that a good girl loses herself. (laughs) Those kinds of messages. Can we get a little bit more actionable here um, to... The next step, basically, okay, I'm ready to be an entrepreneur, to embrace that side of me. Um, but still, I struggle with selling. So what should I do? What can I do to get over that? Sure. Okay. So what we want to understand with selling is when we refuse to sell, this is a practice I give people, is every time you get afraid to sell, I want you to call someone you love. And you say, you know what? I could absolutely help you. Like, let's pick something. Oh, that lower back pain. I've heard you complain about it for a couple of years. I could totally help you with that, but I'm not going to. (laughs) And I want you to do that. Promise yourself that you will do that anytime you pull back from actually selling. Mm. Because it feels so awful to say that to somebody. You won't do it, right? But when you're not selling, that's actually what you're doing. When you're hiding from your gifts and your talents and your expertise, you may as well call someone you love and say, I could help you, but I'm not going to. Anytime you get scared to do that post or to go live or to share something on a flyer or to offer your services at um, you know, a networking event or at a, a fair or something like that where you could be participating and actively selling, I want you to pretend you're calling someone and saying, I have something for you, but I'm not going to give it to you because that's what we're doing when we're hiding from sales. And you know, one of the stories I share about this is I want you to pretend you're walking down the street and... Um, you know, someone is is gravely injured and they're going to bleed out. And a doctor w- walks by and says, wow, you know, I, I don't want to be salesy. And so they keep walking and they don't stop and help. That's what we're doing. And it's not about the sale. It's about your fear about how it's going to make you look. And once women get that, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to put me in front of other people. That's something we're really good at doing. Mm. But this has gotten reversed somehow. Somehow we think not selling is being nice to people. Mm. Um, no, that's protecting your ego. 
It's actually the other way around. And so sometimes just that perspective shift can really help. Um, And then the other thing is just to practice. You know, we don't judge brain surgeons. We don't even judge, for the most part, therapists. We don't judge people who um, set broken bones, that they should be paid for that service. We don't question that. The only time it gets questioned is with us. So you want to really take a step back and ask yourself, am I being as helpful as I could possibly being? And remember, too, this can really help with sales, is the next time you're scared to sell, is that what someone else has to do in order to pay you is none of your business. And that's hard for people to get. It's not our job to fix it. It's not our job to help them figure it out. That's for them to do. And sometimes letting people figure that out or find the money or get excited about something they could do to generate the money, that's actually part of their ability to work with us. That's part of what they get in working with us is the growth that it takes to find the money in order to work with us. That's part of the process. And we don't want to interrupt that. It's I say this a lot to moms, like, Sometimes it's really important to let our children fail. It's very hard for us. We want to fix everything and do everything. But it's very Mm -hmm. important that children be given the opportunity to fail. One, so they figure out what skills they need to develop, but also so they understand how to recover when they fail. It's the same idea. That's a different topic, though, now. So I think it's getting a little bit. Because it isn't, it isn't, because it's the exact same when someone, when we're selling to someone. We need to let them figure out what skills they need to develop in order to work with us. And we need them to figure out how to recover in order to pay. Does that make sense? Yes, for sure. You see the parallel there? Yeah. No, I didn't mean to scare you that we were going to go off on a whole other tangent. But it's (laughs) the same idea. And sometimes I talk about being a parent because it really resonates with a lot of women. We can go, oh, I see. I see. It's not my job to take care of my customer's money. It's their job. Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I love how you said that, yeah, that you're you're not helping anybody when you're not really putting your offers out there. Um, I think that's such a important reminder. And and I mean, even if you probably when you hear that, yeah, like, yeah, of course, obviously, right? <laughs> right. But, uh, we forget that. Yeah. So um yeah, thanks for bringing that up. It was really yeah. insightful. Where can people go to learn more about you? Yeah, sure. Oh, that's such a that's such a kind question for you to ask, Suzanne. So you can head over to my website is sarahwalton.com. Um, and I also have a ton of free videos over on YouTube. I do a show once a week called Sarah Uncut, where I pick a topic um, that people write in about. But sometimes I actually just turn on my camera and start talking. They're very short, but they're quick hit tips about what people might need um, in that specific moment. Ooh, I love that you have a YouTube channel. I know. <laughs> I tried it this year and then I was like, yeah, no, I don't really enjoy that. <laughs> ah, it's so good. Yeah, everybody feels different about video for sure. <laughs> oh my God, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing all your um, expertise and wisdom. It was really insightful. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for our, for having me, Suzanne. I hope it was super helpful and I hope we get some more, some more women out there selling with heart and love. Yes, and we'll add the links to your website and YouTube in the show notes so you can check it out there. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Suzanne. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to susannoreika.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Oh,